Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here on a busy, busy Thursday evening. Sorry we didn't get the show out uh, early uh, earlier on Thursday. Well, it's, it's it's been a busy day. I'm actually I'm, I'm glad we didn't. But in addition to all that, my power got knocked out last night. We were going to record, and then my power went out and it didn't come on until the middle of the night. So, so we pushed it to today and today being Thursday, we're recording this Thursday night and boy, am I glad we made that decision. Probably one of the most fortuitous power outages you could possibly, uh, you could possibly have when you talk about what went down, uh, today at UCF. Remember you can follow us at UCF underscore banner at facebook.com slash black and gold banner and, of course, blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports news, which all of a sudden has been coming in droves today, uh, this week, boys. It's it, it feels like it. They were holding back the water, and then just the dam broke, and here we are. Um, turns out UCF has a football schedule now. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about how the non-conference portion of the schedule has been put together. We're going to talk about the American releasing its plans for the Olympic sports as well. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, preseason coaches poll, which I know is much to Eric Lopez's delight. And uh, we're also going to talk about some news with Mackenzie Milton and some comings and goings as well here uh, on today's episode. But we're going to we're going to start with the schedule uh, coming out. And, uh, well, we were thinking that this would come out. It all came out on Wednesday with the American uh, announcing that their plan has uh, come about. The uh, the idea for uh, or, or the, the working plan for the American is that uh, every team would play eight conference games plus basically whatever else they can get. <laughs> um, the. Uh, Mostly, mostly looking at how this how this plays out. The co- the uh, conference competition is set to begin September the nineteenth. Um, non conference games will be played, uh, maybe played at the discretion of the individual schools, with the understanding that the opponents will strictly adhere to protocols and standards for testing, pregame, in game, and postgame operations set by the Americans Medical Advisory Group. Who exactly is in the medical the medical advisory group for the American? We don't know. Um, depending on the need to schedule regular season games, they're, they're flexing the conference championship between December 5th, 12th, or 19th at the home of the regular season champion. It's going to be one division of, uh, of 11 teams. Um, but that's the plan. So UCF retains its, uh, its conference, its conference schedule. We were thinking for a while that that would pretty much be it, aside from FIU, which uh, it looked like FIU was the only game that had not been canceled due to what the ACC was doing. Well, news comes down today, uh, from uh, in, 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 the day after Danny White spoke about the schedule, that yes, indeed, UCF will play Georgia Tech. Uh, the North Carolina game is basically scotched, although Danny White couldn't say that. But he was hopeful yesterday, and then we were confirmed today uh, by UCF that the game is on for September 19th. That's a Saturday. It was scheduled to be a Friday game. They moved it to the Saturday. Uh, and so UCF will play a non-conference game against Georgia Tech uh, in addition to FIU, as far as we know. And there's also the possibility of 
from what we from information we have gathered that the Florida A and M game, which was scheduled for November, may also still be on due to what we're going to talk about now. But first of all, Brian Murphy, you've been all over this, like white on rice, man. And first of all, thanks to you for your incredibly hard work and following everything that's been going on and trying to make sense of it. Because if at times it seems like things are kind of being made up as we go along and UCF is kind of is kind of along for the ride, you're not alone in thinking that. But uh, just the events of the last 36 hours, how did it all break out, break down for you? And what do you think about the current result right now? Well, yeah, it's only it's like it's like we only had to wait uh, five months for actual sports news, and then it all sort of released in the span of like like I said, a couple of days, um, which is totally fine. So I'm, I'm glad to be busy. I will say, so I want to correct a couple of things you said during your your intro. I knew I was going to get something know. wrong. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things. I mean, they, you know, whatever. Uh, we do know who is. On. This may not be the most important thing that I'm going to mention, but. But we do know who is on the Americans' COVID-19 medical advisory. There are representatives from each of the 12, uh, each of the universities in the AAC. UCF's, advi- UCF's representative, Jeffrey, you should know who this is. Who is representing UCF on the Americans' COVID-19 medical advisory group? Uh, you know this, Jeff. I, d- I, know. I, I don't. I'm going to get, could it be Mary Vanderheiden? It's Mary Vanderheiden. Okay, yeah, good. Okay, good for Mary. Yes, I feel, uh, I feel, I feel happy. She's on the group. the 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 group is chaired by Dr. Greg Stewart at Tulane. So I want to make sure, and that, and we all know who's like who's the representative. So we do know who, who that is. Um, and then yeah, it's 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 amazing how things have sort of transpired with the UCF football schedule here in the last couple of days. I mean, this is going back weeks now. You know, or really back to when the ACC. The Atlantic Coast Conference released their schedule plan. We, you know, we thought at that time we wrote about it that you know it certainly looks like the North Carolina game is dead and the and the Georgia Tech game is hanging by a thread. Um, and, and certainly the North Carolina game, the North Carolina game is off. Uh, you can look at that. That, that is completely done. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's been erased from UCF's schedule. It's not in any part of the AAC, the ACC's um, uh, big picture plan that they posted today. That game is done. However, the Georgia Tech game somehow pulled through. Uh, it was on, and then it was sort of off, and now it's back on again. Um, and it is, like you said, Jeffrey, it's on Saturday, September 19th. The interesting like twist on that is, yes, it was moved back a day, but really it wasn't. It was just moved back to its original day. Right. Remember, this game, this game was originally scheduled when the schedule first came out for the 19th, of, uh, on Saturday, September 19th. Then moved up to the 18th in February, um, which would television. Yes. And it also helped give UCF an extra day to prepare for their following game, which is September 24th at ECU. It's a road game. Uh, uh, So back to back road games on a short week. So give them another another day to prepare. Well, so much for that because now it's back on the 19th. UCF is back to having only four days between road games that week. Um, but I, I think if, if you had to ask them, you know, whether they would like take the extra day or or lose the, uh, you know, the Georgia Tech game, they'd much rather, you know, waste the extra day so they can have the actual Georgia Tech game. Like they want that game badly. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge it's a, it's like it's by far their biggest non-conference game. They ha- they wanted it really badly. So it's, I'm glad they, that they've gotten it. 
Uh, and then now the question is, how does UCF go about filling out their schedule? Um, like you said, Jeff, we, we, we hear things about the, the fan you game, but it's not just us. Like Danny White has been very open and clear about, you know, he, Danny White said on Wednesday, he was optimistic that they would be able to schedule the fan you game as it was on November 7th. Remember it was, a, that was originally scheduled anyway, but then that game was wiped once FAMU's MEAC conference, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, suspended its fall sports season last month. So that game was dead, but apparently Danny's very optimistic that that game can be put back on with FAMU being playing as an independent. Um, and I take Danny's word for that because he said the exact same thing about the Georgia Tech game, and that has proven true. So I would imagine that that FAMU game on November 7th is going to happen. And now that would give UCF 11 games, uh, six on the road, or six at home. Uh, and so they would, so UCF, and, and they would give them three non-conference games. So UCF would be able including, to add, including a road game against the Power Five team. Right. So UCF would then now UCF would now have if you include the FAMU game, which is not official yet, but I, I feel like it will be soon. If you include all that, UCF would now have eleven games, uh, six at home, three non-conference. They're allowed one more game in in each category. So it would. Behoove UCF, really, what Danny White would like to get is one more home game, uh, you know, against a G5 or FCS team. I mean, remember, you can you can schedule two FCS opponents this year, and they can both count toward your bowl eligibility. So even if even if they have FAMU, they can still schedule another FCS team, and that would still count toward their bowl their bowl their bowl win tally. You know, if they can get the six the, to the six win minimum. Um, so. You know, you can look at that open date. Uh, all of a sudden, that's open an open date. Uh, you know that that was the the, the first week of September, um, and say could they could they put a team in there? Uh, maybe I, I'm not sure. What we do know is that UCF will not play in week zero. They will not play in the last weekend of August, which some teams are. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just too soon. If they were going to do that, they needed to start their training camp earlier, uh, and, and so it's just too much to do that. So. The earliest UCF would play would be that September 5th weekend. It could be against a G5 or FCS team that would need to meet that would need to meet two conditions. One, they would have to be somewhere in the region of UCF. I mean, they could be in the state of Florida, but like if they're in Georgia or South Carolina, like they'll they'll accept that too. Um, but also, they need to meet the ACC the AAC's protocol testing protocol in terms of coronavirus. Now, the AAC has been not very, they haven't really been great at divulging details over what exactly their testing protocols are. They said this week that they would come out shortly with a full list of protocols. All we know right now is that the AAC wants every, uh, you know, every uh, team to test their players 72 hours before a game. But as far as protocols, we're not exactly sure what that means. Um, but if but if an opponent meets those meets the standards that, that the AAC and UCF is looking for and is close by uh, and has an open date, willing to play maybe you know on that that first week or also they have another buy, I believe in October. And if one of those two weeks, UCF could find a way to get that twelfth game, get that sixth home game, get that fourth non-conference game, which is what they're shooting for. They're not saying they're going to play all twelve because again. No one should assume you're going to play all 12 under these right. conditions. 
but at least you gave yourself a chance to play a full schedule. The uh, that the October date, by the way, is Saturday, October the tenth, which was scheduled right. to be UCF's regular um, bye week. The game, the, their game after that is the Friday, October sixteenth game at the Liberty Bowl against Memphis. So. I, I would imagine if I'm Danny White and Josh Heupel, I'm trying to get something on September the fifth at home um, with somebody nearby because I don't want I don't want my team playing twelve straight games, especially you know six you know six days between whoever you're playing on Saturday, October tenth, and then Memphis. Um, Eric, and, and, oh, and one more thing, and it's so it's so very fluid. People should understand like there there might be a game that weekend, there might not be a game that weekend, and also one more thing I wanted to bring up is that going into this fall season for football, it was required that every team have a 29-day training camp where in which you could fit in, I believe, 24 or 25 padded practices before your first game. Having a 29-day training camp was required before your first game. Uh, but UCF, who was scheduled to practice starting today, starting Thursday, did not. Uh, and it's not because that there was some sort of outbreak. It's really because they're just still trying to manage how all of this is going to work. There are a lot of moving pieces right now. Um, it sounds a little chaotic. Uh, it's all very fluid. And what was once required, like I said, that 29, that 29 day, that 29 day requirement period, that might not actually end up being required. Everything is sort of in flux, uh, as with everything in the world, but certainly with college baseball, with, with college football as well. Uh, it just sort of had to live day by day with it. So. Uh, we're not exactly sure when UCF is even going to hold its first training camp padded practice. It could be Friday. It could be next week. I'm not sure. We don't know when their first game is going to be. It looks like it could be the 12th, but it could also be earlier. Um, you just got to, you got to like tune in every day and find out if something changes. Another bit of news from that, by the way, it, you mentioned that at least the current opener would be at home against FIU and Butch Davis on Saturday, September the 12th in not Spectrum Stadium, by the way, the bounce house. Uh, that is a fit. That is its official name. Danny White uh, or UCF confirmed that to you, Murph. Great scoop. Boy, that thing went viral in a hurry. And uh, in addition to that, um, at least as far as we know, that that's that's a temporary thing. At least as of right now, until UCF can find a naming sponsor for the stadium formerly known as Bright House Networks uh, and Spectrum uh, Stadium. All right, Eric Lopez. Count me as one of the people who is extremely skeptical, obviously. We all were that that the Georgia Tech game could be pulled off. But at least as of right now, they, they pulled it off. And, you know, I, I, I got to give credit not just to Danny White and Josh Heupel, but also Todd Stansberry, UCF's former athletic director, now at Georgia Tech, and Jeff Collins, formerly a defensive coordinator at UCF and linebacker coach, now the head coach at Georgia Tech. They... Got the job done here, and uh, they they got a they got UCF coming in as their one non conference game. Um, you know, it, 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 are you as surprised as maybe the rest of are that Georgia Tech decided to decided? Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I'm surprised. Heck, Mark Daniels was surprised on the air too. So <laughs> if Mark Daniels is surprised, I think we all should be surprised. Um, yeah, I think credit to Todd Stansberry. I hope UCF fans, you know, it's funny. They like to, you know, who I, I think he did a pretty good job here. Uh, and yet some people kind of hold some things against him. Should be thanking him 
because they didn't have to do this well, game. I don't know. I don't again, know. How it, always go, it always goes back to how he left, right? It's always yeah, well, UCF yeah. fans aren't very good at saying goodbye. But anyway, now, I don't. I don't know how much Jeff Collins had a say in this. I don't think Jeff Collins is excited about this at all, um, <laughs> personally, because he's about to get destroyed uh, that week, um, embarrassed. But um, I think a couple things here. That's fast. Three things that are fascinating about this. I think you. You got sources up there, and Jeff, and your sources are telling you that uh, a certain television network maybe had an influence in that game staying. I, I mean, I, I, I've talked to a bunch of people around Atlanta, and they, and they seem to indicate that, you know, because remember, I used to work up there, uh, that, you know, ESPN, you know, had uh, had some influence on this and, and wanted – a quality game. And, you know, we know that the, the two options for Georgia Tech at home were either Gardner-Webb, which is a three-hour drive away, or UCF. And uh, and the word that, you know, I heard from a couple people I talked to um, up there was, uh, was, hey, man, ESPN does not want Gardner-Webb on their, on their television screen. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and so, and so, that kind of forced Georgia Tech into it, more or less into UCF, which you know I don't know how true that is or not, but you know I wouldn't be surprised by that, especially at a in a stage where you know we just don't know you know you know what what, what we're going to have when we even get to September nineteenth, which is a, right, which is a month and two weeks away. Who knows what six weeks are going to do? But it would make um, sense, though, because boy, UCF... Boy, that, boy, that, that, uh, that flips the script on its head that ESPN doesn't like us, huh? Yeah, for all those of you that says ESPN's anti-UCF, well, guess what? Uh, and not some, uh, you might want to apologize to them, too. Uh, or thank them as well. Because uh, I kind of buy that to some extent, because they do help make TV matchups. I mean, one of the matchups that was announced on Thursday, Navy, who lost the Notre Dame game, will host BYU on Labor Day night on ESPN. Hmm, who, who helped set that up? I mean, uh, you got two brands there, which I've told you, Jeff. Navy's a brand, and BYU. So they set that up. So I do think, from an ESPN standpoint, in a year where you're going to be lacking non-conference games, and here's an opportunity. We have a UCF team that is ranked in the top 25, should be ranked going into that game at Georgia Tech. Yeah, you probably want to keep that game on your schedule TV slot. So I can see some encouragement there. So I think that's... Part of it, I think the other part of it that we don't know, we don't know how much Georgia Tech would have had to pay to get out of this game, right? Like right, this game's already been rescheduled once. So maybe it was one of those things where if I'm Todd Stansberry, I'm like, I really don't want to pay, get myself out of this game. It could be expensive to get out of this game. Why not just get this game over with uh, and move on? And I think there's something to be said for that. You get this game out of the way. There's no pressure on Georgia Tech. They're not going to be any good this year. Uh, so if they lose, they're supposed to lose. So uh, I think those combination of those two things, I think, help save this game. And I think it's great. I mean, UCF should get, I think, will get a good check out of this game. Uh, it'll, it'll probably be an interesting TV That's slot. Bit, listen, I hate saying it, but it's true. It's a big help. It's yeah, big I mean, help. all the, look, 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 all of this is economic driven. Let's not kid. Um, which now let's bring up this point here. And, and Murph, you brought this up as well. The game has moved back to Saturday which originally was to Saturday, and they got moved to Friday. So now UCF has got a game on Saturday on the road, as you mentioned, and now would go to East Carolina on a short week on Thursday. Um, I don't know what what caused the change from Friday to Saturday. The only thing I could speculate is 
There's this thing called the NBA playoffs in a bubble that's going to be going on right around that time. So maybe ESPN told them like, yeah, we don't have that slot that we used to have anymore. Um, so that could be a factor in why they moved it back to Saturday. But that does create an interesting dilemma there in that it's a short week. And we depending on the testing protocol, guys, that's going to affect the testing schedule a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, in that case, you would have to you would have to see UCF players tested and, and I guess, you know, not only tested, but also come back, you know, I guess only tested. I guess the results come back later, but you have to be tested no you know at least 72 hours before a game. So they would have to be tested Monday, uh, following that Saturday game leading into the Thursday game at ECU. So yeah, it could certainly uh, make things it would make things difficult. But for me, I mean obviously that Obviously, coronavirus makes everything difficult. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a part of everything that everyone is doing, uh, both in football and otherwise. So, you know, just because we're not mentioning it in every sentence here doesn't mean we're not aware of it. But my, my concern is just the fact that you have a road game on a Saturday, then come back home only to go to another road game, which means you probably lose a walkthrough practice or a very rushed walkthrough practice on Wednesday you know, travel again for a game on Thursday. That is a very, very quick turnaround to not only travel, but to heal up uh, and, and mm. get ready physically for that. I mean, they don't even do that. They, 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 don't, they hardly do that in the NFL. Yeah, and, and the hard part about that, you know, from what I see is, and I'm, I'm probably going to catch flack for this, but I don't care. I, I think actually East Carolina is going to be improved this year. And, you know, we saw what Holton Aylers did over the course of the final four games last season. And it looks like he's kind of turned a corner right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have to see what ECU looks like. But based on the evidence that we have, at least as of right now, like, let's not consider that game a layup on the road either. You know what I mean? No, I mean, Holt Naylor's is on preseason watch lists. I mean, he's been given some national respect. I mean, I, I think, I think you know, he, saw, he, he was certainly raw when we saw him two years ago. Uh, but you could see the the big arm, the body, the movement skills for a guy of his size. Like he he can be a real difference maker. Um, you know, as long as his accuracy sustains. Right. Uh, if he's accurate, he's really really good because he's got all the physical tools to be a really good college quarterback. So, but and the way the schedule, but at least the way the schedule breaks down. By the way, um, after the ECU game, UCF gets the ex obviously you get the extra couple days um, before facing Tulsa what? at home. Well, do we? So. Let me ask you: Is there any chance they consider moving the ECU game to a Friday or Saturday? Any chance? I would think well, that UCF. I would think UCF's going to lobby for it um, because for either for both those teams, for both uh, for both uh, East Carolina and UCF, like they they don't have all of a sudden like another Friday game the following week. Like they can move that game back, and I believe their next game is the following Saturday. So they would still have a full week to prepare for their next game. So I'm sure that UCF will try to lobby the best they can to give themselves an extra day somewhere. Yeah. And, and but I, ultimately it comes down to what ESPN says because ESPN's tele scheduled to televise that game on Thursday, September 24th. Um, you know, and the same, and the same thing with Memphis too, because remember that they have that off the 10th and then the Memphis game is on that Friday. So technically it's one less day that you have to prepare for that. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me uh, let me uh, wrap this portion of the conversation by asking the both of you, and Murph, I'll start with you. What are the percentage chances you think that 
UCF will get a 12th game on September 5th to finish off tw- uh, to finish off the schedule. I don't want to marry myself to the September 5th date, but I do think oh, I'm going to do it anyway. So you may as well just run with it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, whatever. I, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to acknowledge that part of the question. I, I, so I will say that UCF has like a 90 percent chance to get uh, a, tw- a 12th game. They're going to get a 12th game. Oh, Eric, I guarantee Eric, it. Oh, Eric, I guarantee that Murph is Murph is bullish on a 12th game. Well, I guarantee it's 100. percent He's going to get the 12th game. Eric's um, more bullish. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's enough programs that are desperate enough they'll take the check. So yeah, you'll find well, is, it. Is it going to be another G5? Do you think or an FCS? Does it matter? Does it matter? Yeah, both work. It doesn't matter. Either yeah. one works. I, I know, but for, but but if you're, I'm thinking if you're among the fan base. You'd rather see a G5 team than an FCS team, obviously, right? No, 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 no. Would you rather play a football game or not play right. a football That's game? really what this is about. I don't really think it's – because, first of all, I think there's going to be limited fans to begin with. Florida State announced on Thursday about a 20 to 25% capacity, and I do think that's relevant because I'm guessing, right? And I think we've learned this. There's a reason why Danny White wants that seven home games, right? Because I think he's expecting to have some limited fans and get some of that revenue back, right? He's yeah. not doing this if he knows he's got nobody in the building. Would you agree with I, that? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. this is clearly a business. So to Murph's point, you're going to have a limited fan base. And I don't I don't have the – you guys could do the math quickly. Let's say they go 20%. What is that, 8,000, 10,000 in the stadium? Nine thousand people. Yeah, you're gonna get nine thousand people to go watch UCF play. You know, Stetson for all they care. You know what I mean? It's not. This ain't a situation where you're trying to fill. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) This is not a situation where you're trying to fill forty-five thousand. I think to Murph's point. So, I think you could see a scenario. It could be FAU, which obviously there's relations there with the ads. Uh, If if this whole FAMU thing, which is a joke, but whatever. If they are an independent, I would argue then, then why isn't Bethune-Cookman, who's leaving the MEAC with FAMU to go to the SWAC, couldn't they make the same argument that they are an independent? If that's the case, they're right right here. Uh, so UCF could schedule that. They could also schedule somebody like a Georgia State or somebody like that. So I'm confident. I think Danny White's determined to get that 12th game. I think he is determined to get that seventh home game. because he And I think he wants that game, Murph and Jeff, on September 5th because, you know, you don't know, like you said, this is going to be a week-to-week thing. You don't know what's going to happen. But if you can get two home games in with some limited participation, you've made it, you've gotten some money back. You know what I mean? Whereas if you wait till September 12th, for all we know, that whole thing could be shut down by then. So I think he's going to shoot for September 5th. It'll be a home game. And and I think that's this is all economics. You're trying to save some money because I think he feels with those seven home games – they could probably end up breaking even or make a profit this year, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, whoever whoever it is that UCF does get, I correct one thing: they will not. Yeah. They will not. They will not. They will not make a profit. Right. They will not make a profit. Uh, I mean, no, you don't think they could break even? I mean, I. I mean, we've no, had our staff. No, 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 no. They can't. Our, no, no, no. They can't. They're not going to break not. even. The best they can do, because remember, first of all, UCF athletics is a nonprofit anyway. But the best they can do is not lose as much as they would have. I don't, I don't know. Our staff, our colleague Andrew, who's on our staff, kind of disagrees with that. He written about that. 
he thinks they got a shot to maybe break even or makes, depending on how this goes. If you're, the, if you're only getting 9,000 fans in the stands, you are not going to get the revenue that are, you are. Are you not including the TV revenue, which is in its first year with ESPN? Are you not I, including I, sponsorships? I, we also not. That is, that is separate from game day revenue. Plus, here's the other thing. What if it's season ticket holders? What if it's donors? I the, think the, the, the listen the, the the media deal money is coming regardless of how many right. people are in the stands. Okay, but UCF does get about from from various sources that I've heard about one point five to one point seven million dollars per game, assuming that there's a decent crowd. Obviously, if you're cutting it from what forty to forty five thousand down to nine thousand people. It's that many fewer people who are parking, who are paying for parking, who are buying. That's also. who are buying. Uh, by the way, who are buying merchandise that also factors into it. You're, well, that's. that's I think you're gonna. Drop. I think you're gonna have less people working that event. So that kind of you're gonna make up some money that way as well. Yeah, I don't. Not, think, you're not gonna make up hardly anything. I, I. Well, I think we disagree on this. I think they're and, not. I think they will at least break even. Well, you can disagree all you want, but math tells you that it's just not going to be that way. I'll take the, I'll take Danny I'll take Danny White's words on this. He was very forthright on Wednesday, saying that no matter what happens, even if it's perfect, the financial hit to UCF athletics will be significant this year. His words were, "quote That's something that we're going to have to deal with on the back end. I'll have to figure it out. I'm not the only AD in this country that I think all of us are going to have to figure out how to handle the financial impact. It's going to be significant, but it can't be a part of our guiding decisions." Again. Even if they have 12 games, seven at home, four non-conference, whatever, they're going to lose money. They know that, and they'll figure it out post, like after the season. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, we'll just have to figure it out from there. By the way, one thing we don't have to figure out is where UCF is ranked in the coaches' poll. That came out today. Boy, that was like the least. <laughs> I, I feel like this was like the least look forward to coaches' poll ever. Um, so UCF came in ranked 21st, the highest ranked non, uh, autonomous five program in, uh, the, in the USA today, uh, coaches poll, uh, number 21 was UCF one spot ahead of Cincinnati, who is, uh, who came in at 22. Um, there were, was it Murph, three other AAC schools that were receiving votes, Right, so uh, Memphis, uh, Navy, uh, or Memphis, SMU, and Tulane, I believe. That's right, Memphis, SMU, and Tulane. So, uh, and Boise State was not in the top twenty-five. So, at least a at least a good start for UCF in the coaches' poll. I don't think anyone really gives a rip at this moment. Um, well, they but, better, but they actually better because in this type of year, I think the polls actually do mean a lot more because I don't think poll, I don't think there's going to be a ton of bowl games. So, if you're UCF. You right now are in the driver's seat to be the G5 champ, if you will, if if there is a marquee bowl game that you would get to play in. So I do actually think that is relevant. You control your destiny. I think it's bigger for the American. I think they are clearly have a gap. And I just, I just don't think anybody in the Mountain West or the Sun Belt is going to have any games that's going to be marquee like the American is. I think the American has a lock right now at being in that bowl slot if there is a bowl game. Yeah, that's and I think that's also a big, sure, big if at this point. But you know what? I oh, ahead, I can't believe that Eric Lopez is vouching for the coaches' poll. 
Well, I do. I had to Well, because I think that's honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if that's how we're going to decide the national championship this year. Because I'm not optimistic. First of all, I'm not optimistic. It'll be like a throwback to 1984. You know, just right because you'll have to wait for the next day to see the polls come out, and then oh, we won the national championship. Look at that. It very well could because who's to say you get every game in? Who's to say you can get a college football playoff in? So I could see a scenario where let's say they got eight games in or nine games in, they just decide, all right, we'll do one more yeah. poll, and whoever's number one is the national champion. Especially as right. the weather but as the weather gets bad and play, all that. Right. I can I can play that game too and go, what's to say we'll get any games in? So why worry about it in the first place? My my, my thing is, <laughs> is if we, if if we're going to assume that a football game's if a football game's gonna be played, right? And that this is going to unfold as scheduled, because again, we can't just pre- we can we can assume and 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 like you know kind of you know just think that we're gonna lose games and and that the season's gonna be cut off at some point because of some because uh, of a, an outbreak. But you know the the plan is right now across college football is to get through the season and have a college football playoff decided by the CFP. So as of right now, as I wrote on the site, these polls don't matter. And I can't believe I'm butting against Eric Lopez I'm on just, this. In a normal in a normal year, I 100% agree with you. But we don't know how long this. I'm you know what if the season gets shut down after seven games or five games? They might decide at that point. You know what? That's it. That's all we're gonna play. We're gonna pick teams based on that. Uh, it's, we, such, it's, it's such a quirky year. We got. I mean, it just anything's possible this year. So I, I all I'm saying is it's better to be in, at right now ahead. Than being behind at any point because you know you don't know when the season ends. We will cross we will cross that bridge when we come to it. By the way, I forgot I forgot Navy. Navy is also receiving votes. So we have That's SMU, right. Navy, Memphis, and Tulane. Four AAC teams receiving votes with Cincinnati and, and well UCF and Cincinnati ranked twenty one and twenty two respectively. Uh, look, there's not we don't know anything. That's the point, right? So if we don't if we, if we if we have no if we don't know anything about what's going to happen, we can only assume that what's planned is going to happen. And and if that happens, then again, these polls don't matter. If it comes to the point that, oh, by the way, we have to scrap everything. The CFP is not a thing this year. That poll, that poll has to, like, that poll is now no one void. And we're going off of the AP poll, which comes out in a couple of weeks, by the way. It's not even out yet. Then, then we'll come to that. But right now, these polls don't matter. Well, uh, if nothing else, <laughs> if nothing else, right? It give, this year will give a whole different understanding of our favorite cli- coaching cliche, just go one and oh, right? Oh, yes. We literally, I mean, we are literally. Is that one, one, one game at a time or one, one day at a time? Yeah, that, one day at a time. Literally, just let's just not, let, don't worry about even going one and oh each, each week. Just go one and oh for the day. We get through the day, that's a win. <laughs> that's it's probably that's, pretty accurate yeah yeah i said one day literally one day at a time we're gonna we're gonna find out what that means here um in short order all right let's take a quick break we come back uh we're gonna talk about the the uh plans for the american for the olympic sports uh volleyball soccer cross country everything else what that's gonna look like for ucf's teams and we will uh talk about McKen- news some uh, about mackenzie milton and uh, a little bit later, some comings and goings for uh, UCF as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here as we uh, discuss you know, all of a sudden this uh, fire hose of news coming at us this week. Now, in addition to uh, what we just talked about in the previous segment, you see, uh, or the American releasing its uh, football uh, plans for the fall, they also released the plans for the other fall sports uh, as well. And uh, we've got the breakdowns for soccer, men's and women's, uh, volleyball, and also cross country. So we're going to kind of roll through this here um, real quick. Just, and we're going to start with volleyball um, and kind of break this down real quick from a UCF perspective. So volleyball, here's how they're going to do it. Remember, UConn is gone. So, but the conference is still going to split into two divisions. The East is going to contain five teams, including UCF. Cincinnati, East Carolina, Temple, and USF. Boy, that's a crowded conference, crowded division, rather. The West will have everybody else. So Houston, Memphis, SMU, Tulane, Tulsa, and Wichita State. Here's how the schedule is going to work for volleyball. Each team will play the, this is according to the American, each team will play the other teams in its division twice at the same site. Okay, so when UCF plays Cincinnati, they will play them twice. Uh, There are no cross-divisional games. Um, that means obviously the, the conference will be unbalanced conference play is expected to begin the weekend of September 24th through 27th. That's what it was expected to be. Um, matches will be played between Thursday and Sunday. The here's where it gets complicated. The women's volleyball, uh, tournament will happen November 21st and 22nd at Cincinnati. It's already been predetermined because, uh, Cincinnati was the regular season champ last year and they're hosting it. At uh, at the home of the regular season uh, champ from the prior um, from the prior year, it'll be just a four team tournament. Last year it was six. UCF won three matches in three days to win it, uh, and there there will be three weekends for non conference matches from starting September first. My take on this, uh, Eric and Brian, is UCF kind of gets a break in only playing eight conference matches. Uh, but two of them are against Cincinnati, so I'm going to be interested to see where those matches will be played. Um, every, all their other matches will be against teams that were sub-500 last year. Um, and then they're going to have to go to Cincinnati for the tournament, assuming, obviously, we get that far. And, and obviously, all of this is kind of, like we were talking about the previous segment, is day-to-day. Um, I well, think we're, burying, kinda, we're, we're, we're burying the lead here, which is we don't even know if there's going to be an NCAA tournament yet. Right, is- that's... That's the other factor. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry I did that because the NCAA kind of kicked the can down the road and said, as far again. as, again, we thought they would make a decision on the fourth. They didn't. Um, and they said, essentially, each division will determine what it's, uh, whether it will host a championship in a particular sport. And I think, what did they say was the threshold, Eric, that if half the teams... 50%, yeah. If 50%, 50% of the of the teams in a given sport in a division cancel then there will be no championship um as far as volleyball is concerned i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but i do not see how many have canceled i know it's i know that it's not 50 percent. so at least as of right now there is a volleyball season Uh, again this is still a very fluid situation um my thought on it is it's a real bummer that it, the the one thing that's a bummer that UCF won't play that many games is like we something we talked about before. You know, we got some players who are kind of on the verge of some milestones and they're not going to have as many games with which to reach them. 
Um, even if UCF plays the full three weekends in non-conference, which who knows if they will, um, that's another thing that we just we just have no idea on right now. But at least in terms of you know UCF potentially winning the conference and get it, and maybe getting a bid to the NCAA's if there is an NCAA tournament. Um, I don't know. I think for volleyball it kind of worked out, don't you think, Eric? Well, I, I, it's a hard thing to discuss until we know exactly if there's going to be an NCAA tournament or not because it's it's, it's hard. It's, it's also hard to know based on the front end and the back end with the non-conference too. But my argument is, and this is, I mean, the NCAA, they should be, you know what the NCAA stands for? It's the National Cowards Athletic Association because they're a bunch of cowards. It's embarrassing how pathetic they are. And and it's just, you know, and people give a power five the hard time. We knew Whoa, this was coming. It's just, how can anybody defend this? How can anybody defend their actions here, their lack of activity and just, oh, you guys decide, you know, we don't know what to do. Um See, it, here's where here's where Mark Daniels, I think, made a good point the other day, because who yeah. makes up the NCAA? It's the member schools. Right. Oh, it's, and it, it's, it's, and, it's and, just unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable that we do not know that if there's a postseason, because I think that drastically changes everything. In my opinion, if there's no NCAA tournament, in my opinion, why are you there's no pro there's no point in playing soccer or volleyball this fall. None. In my opinion, you're playing for nothing, especially in this truncated season. So I think it's absurd. Now, I think what's going to happen is I think they're going to try to pull off the tournament. The question then becomes, what is the tournament? Because they even alluded to it. It's probably going to be a shorter tournament. So how many teams get in? What's the criteria? Are we going back to the future? You know, popular movie trilogy there, Murph, uh, with Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. Are we are we going back to the future here where kind of during the Michelle Akers days where you know, you had a committee that picked out the teams to fill out the slots instead of guarantees. We might be headed towards that. I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, so to me, that's the first step. Do we have a tournament? Because I think if we don't, then all of this is irrelevant, in my opinion. Now, the second thing is. I don't travel- agree with that statement, but that's for another time. You're really going to you're going to waste the season with no tournament. You're still playing for, for what? You're still playing for your conference. Whoopie I mean, think, think, but we're okay. Think about it. We're okay with that in FCS football. Why doesn't that apply to other sports? Who says we are okay with that in FCS football? Well, I, I mean, obviously, personally, I don't. But we've always been dealing with it that way. You mean you mean FBS or FBS football? Yes, thank you. Uh, well, I would. I, I think the difference there is everybody's going for the money. There's no money to be made in soccer and volleyball. So football is an economic sport. So that's that would be the difference. That's probably why FAMU is playing as an independent because they need the paycheck. Um, to me, I would not want to waste what is it, ten matches, fifteen matches for nothing. I would rather redshirt the year like Arizona State is doing in swimming and have my best players for a full season, a normal season to play for champion. Because here's the thing: if you're UCF volleyball, you've won the conference championship twice. You've done that. You got bigger goals than that. Your goals are not to win another title, conference title. You've done that. Your goal is to go deep in the tournament and make a lot of noise and become the first pro uh, team ever in the Division One era to get to a Sweet 16, which I think is very realistic. But if there's no NCAA tournament, it can't happen. So, um, you know, we'll get into this more once the NCAA, if they ever do decide to make a decision. For all we know, they may decide to sit this out for the whole year. But um, I think let's, the assume, sk- let's assume they're going to play this. And yeah, let's assume that. Yeah. And let's assume, you know. It, it, if if the goal is all right, let's win the American. Do you like UCF's chances? 
Well, yeah, but it, the, that's the interesting thing about this is they may have to win it to get to the tournament. We don't know. That's the thing. Uh, I'd like to know what the – because I think we all kind of agree the league is, in volleyball anyway, is supposed to be down this year. Uh, so I think there's real questions, and that's what stinks about this. For Todd and, and to some extent, Tiffany, they based their schedule off that non-conference schedule to strengthen their RPI, to strengthen the resume, to get them ready mm -hmm. for postseason. That's going to be hard to duplicate that. Now, at volleyball at least – they, I guess, have the room to do that. Maybe they can add a Florida. Maybe they can add a Florida State. But the problem is, if I had to guess, is Florida is probably going to want them to come to Gainesville. So if you're, do you do that? I don't know. Um, so I think those are some of the tough things about it. I do think it's interesting, the scheduling, I, uh, to your point. Is UCF going to Cincinnati to play two matches? How does that work? Is it a Friday-Saturday? Is it a Friday-Sunday schedule? Uh, how no, it, it, would be, it would be a doubleheader. In the same day? Uh, it, it, it's certainly a possibility. I don't know if it's – I don't know if they've mandated that they beat doubleheaders, but, I'm, but I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if we didn't see that for, for at least some of them. You know, because remember – and we'll get to this with one of the other sports or with, a couple, with, with soccer in particular. Right. They really don't want overnight trips. Well, and, 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 I, and I agree with that. And I think that's the other thing is how are teams going to travel – so, like, is UCF yeah. going to – is UCF – because my concern for them is they're going to fly commercial. And you could take all the pr protocols you want. That doesn't stop you from being sitting down in a commercial plane next to some person in aisle nine that was out, you know, at a bar the night before. You just can't control that. That's my concern. So I want to know more about the protocols as far as traveling is concerned. Obviously, bus rides are a factor, but can UCF, for example, hypothetically – bus to Cincinnati. That's a long bus trip if 13 it is. Hour, I, 13 hour bus ride right. if they tried. Is that legal? Can you know cuz when I used to travel with softball, I was told that it's 8 hours is the max. Either 8 hours non-stop or, you know, 8 hours back and forth, whatever. Um because at some point the bus driver has to take a break, etc. So, do you bus on your way? Like if you were to, to me, what I wonder is, could you see a schedule where maybe UCF buses to East Carolina? And then from there goes to Cincinnati. I don't know. I have no idea. Or maybe they're just going to fly and then you just take your chances. I have no idea. But I think those are some of the interesting questions. I didn't know about the doubleheader. It makes a lot of sense because I guess you can pull that off in volleyball. You can pull it off. Uh, soccer, you cannot. Uh, soccer, you cannot. So, But they're only playing one match against each team. So, But it, that's interesting, the doubleheader aspect of it. I mean, that's, I mean that would make I a mean, lot of sense. I mean, you do, I mean, you do it in non-conference anyway, right? True. You know, so, that's a great so, point. Right. That's a great uh, point. You know, they, they that's uh, it's not unheard of. It's certainly not unheard of. By the way, excellent segue to women's soccer because you talked about um, the travel protocols and you also talked about, you know, the situation with Tiffany Roberts and Haydack and UCF. Here's what women's soccer is going to look like they'll play an eight match single round robin schedule in conference. Now, there are nine soccer teams in the American, so everyone plays each other just once, four home, four away. Conference games will be played on Sundays only. All right, so no um, no weekday games uh, in conference. Begin September 6th. Usually we're used to soccer starting in August. Midweek, now you can play midweek non-conference games starting September 1st, but only if the opponent meets the standards and testing guidelines set by the Americans Medical Advisory Group. Midweek games, here's what's interesting. They can only be played against teams that can make it a day bus trip. 
So no flights. You can't fly somebody in and no hotel stays. All right. They show up, they play, they leave. All right. The uh, tournament will be four teams held on the 6th and the 8th at the home of the top seed. And if the top seed can't host the championship because of whatever, local restrictions or what have you, then the site moves to the next highest seed. This is my quick analysis, which you can read on blackandgoldbanner.com. This is basically the standard operating procedure. Um, nothing actually really changed here in terms of the soccer schedule, if I'm not mistaken, because they don't play home. Do they play? Do they play home and homes? Yeah, they do play home and homes. They right? do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so, no. Well, they, what they do is that certain teams come. That's like they right. They would play USF one year at home. The next year would be on the road. So. Right. 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 So, um, the midweek bus trip only rule means that. Okay, what are, you, what are you looking at in terms of the closest teams? Well, it actually works out for UCF in terms of the state of Florida. You got some strong teams out there. Florida State was RPI number three last year. Florida was 28th. FAU was 32. FGCU was in the top was in the top 80 RPI at 78. Miami's at 124. That's not great. FIU is 312, which shocks me how bad FIU is. But, um, you know, I mean, there's there are some options there for Tiffany to play, right? It could. Um the the conference being on Sunday only. Do you have any theories why just Sunday? Like, is that just because they want uh, they don't want it on Saturday? <laughs> well, it's just kind of weird. Instead we'll of doing get to it on the second, by the way, it's just kind of weird. I mean, so I mean, Houston still has to travel. I would assume they would travel Saturday and play Sunday and then leave, or vice versa. So I mean, I it's still kind of quirky. You know, it's funny, and we'll get it. You know, we've talked to Scott Calabrese about this and about Tip. We've talked about how the soccer season is a sprint to begin with. If a normal season is a sprint, what do you call this? Oh, this is this is like <laughs> it's the character like Super Scion who runs with his hands dangling behind him. Murph, do you know who that might be? Uh, I'm I'm blanking blanking uh, on oh, yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Well, you don't know you don't know your own reference. I don't know. I don't. Well, I just I saw it somewhere and I forgot what it was. Oh my god! Cut this out of the show. <laughs> You know what? Just because you said so, I'm leaving it in. Um, uh, but, yeah, you're right. I think that, uh, yeah, this is a real sprint. I, I wonder uh, I wonder if that, that push to, the, to make it a, a fall and spring sport, once COVID clears out, if that, I, I hope that really does happen. And I, I wonder if they're still working behind the scenes to make that happen when everything um, when everything comes back to normal, you know what I mean? But anyway, um, men's soccer, I think is, uh, is, is fairly, oh, by the way, it's a note. It's a Naruto run. I finally looked it up. That's why I was stalling oh, here. Okay. No. Okay. You, you described me wrong. Yes. I know what that is. I'm not a huge fan of anime, but uh, yes, I know what I, that I, is. You did I, not I know nothing about anime, but I know that. Okay, his arms are not dangling behind. Like that—that's the wrong. That is the wrong. That is the wrong verb there, Jeffrey. He's not. He's not dangling. They're kind of pointed straight out, but behind him as he runs, sort of head down, charging. Okay, so 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 what we can so in this overly raw analogy, this isn't just a sprint. This the soccer season is a Naruto run, is what we're trying to say. Okay. Not bad. I mean, it took, us, we got that on the, yeah. it took us six miles to get here, but it's, it's a worthy look, look, we, we arrived safely. Um, men's soccer. All right, so now here's where it's really interesting, Eric, because 
remember, the, the American lost two men's soccer programs this offseason. UConn, obviously, because UConn left the league. And Cincinnati canceled men's soccer. All right? So there's only six teams in the American this year. Oh. They will play a 10-match double round robin schedule, home and away. All right? Uh, everybody plays each other twice. Conference games will be played on Saturdays beginning September 5th, but may be moved to Friday or Sunday if there's a conflict with a home football game. All right, so there's that. Uh, midweek non-conference games can start September 1, just like the women. Uh, midweek, comp- midweek games can only be played against teams that can make the day bus trip, just like the women. The four-team tournament, for the conference will be held either November 12th and 14th or November 13th and 15th at the site of the top seed based on regular season record. Same thing. If the top seed can't host, um, then it moves to the next seed. All right. If you're Scott Calabrese, this is, uh, this is also much more of a standard operating. I feel like if nothing happened, this is exactly how conference play would have worked out anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. And again, it's a, if, if the normal season's a sprint, I don't know what you call this. It's a crapshoot. No, it's uh, a Naruto run. There you go. Well, it's um, it's something. I mean, you're right, though. I think this would have been probably their – I feel like, honestly, they didn't deviate too much what their original plans were from a conference standpoint. Uh, right. Volleyball is probably the exception. They, they uh, didn't have to because they lost UConn and Cincinnati. That's why. right. I agree. So, uh, you know, look, man, I hope it works out. I really do. I still have questions about the protocols, the traveling. I just worry about that when you're traveling commercial. I mean, they're not like football that's traveling whenever they feel like it. Uh, I have worries about that. I hope that everybody knows what they're doing and they can get it through. And I hope there's an NCAA tournament that they're playing for. Because, again, to me, if you're not, if there's no postseason, I think that's a, that's a travesty to go through all this and then not have a postseason. So, but, you know, I, you're right. I, I think men's soccer, this is probably was going to be their plan. It would be their plan moving forward uh, with this schedule at home. It makes sense. The, uh, by the way, UConn and Cincinnati last year uh, were sixth and seventh in the American, yeah. respectively. So I do think that, your, by the way. So your schedule didn't yeah. get much easier at I all. Do th- I do think of the three, men's soccer can carry its own weight. This was a top five league last year. You just mentioned it. They got rid of of Cincinnati was terrible. Connecticut actually under it was not good last year, but they're usually they under, good. They, they, yeah, they're usually pretty good. They, yeah. they severely underachieved last year. But this league actually could still get multiple bids. I think they actually will be okay without many non-conference games, if at all. Whereas mm-hmm. I think volleyball gets hurt big time if they don't schedule non-conference. Uh, and for that matter, women's soccer, uh, to some extent, because the women's soccer conference is wacky. It's up and down. Some years it's strong, some it's not. Volleyball, I think the expectations were with Jordan Thompson graduating that Cincinnati's going to take a step back. And really, it's UCF and everybody else. And that's, yeah, you know, it just stinks because, again, we know Todd t- schedules a tough non conference schedule. And by, by the way this is all going to shape out, he's probably got no chance of hosting. Uh, a post yeah. the NCAA tournament like he did a couple years ago. So that's the ramifications of some of this, uh, assuming there is a postseason. And who knows? They might go predetermined anyway. So it's um, it's interesting. But, uh, you know, hopefully it works out for everybody and they can get them through. Now, when would volleyball be played? Because you've mentioned men's soccer would be Saturdays in most cases. Women's soccer is Sundays. Do we have a specific, like, when volleyball, would volleyball? No. Volleyball did not mention 
Okay. Um, I, I mean, I have I have more questions about volleyball than anything else because, you know, how are they how are they okay with splitting the conference into two divisions where one side plays fewer matches than the other? And I and I'm sure that don't you think it's traveling? Don't you think traveling is the motivating there? You're trying to avoid UCF going to Tulsa and all that, right? But I don't know, man. This that's the problem. It 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 feels like it it feels like some of the other coaches out in volleyball in the American kind of they they didn't. It's it's not as thorough. I I know for a fact that there there are some discrepancies with with you know, with the coaches. But what would you uh, have done differently? I don't really like, again, there, I think this was travel you know, motivated. That, uh, you don't want UCF yeah. traveling to Wichita state and Tulsa. No, obviously, but you know, they, they're scheduled to travel to temple, which, you know, how far away is UCF from temple compared to Houston? Oh, I don't disagree with you on that part. Yeah. I mean, you know, or Tulane for that matter. Tulane is that much closer being in New Orleans. So, you know, and, <clears throat> Man, I, I don't know. Uh, I it's plus you you know you're gonna have this imbalance with playing you know twice in the same in the same venue. So you know get let's you know let's say UCF and Houston play or, or UCF and uh, Cincinnati play clear advantage to whichever team is home for that, right? Well, you know, yeah, let's, but I mean... let's not let's not forget UCF uh, lost both games to uh, or both matches to. Uh, but they were gonna. But, but the thing last is, last year anyway. But but they were. But they were gonna play twice anyway, regardless of the circuit. You know whether there's divisions or no divisions. They were gonna play twice more than likely because I know. But you would have had one here and one there, and and that's right. But they're trying to eliminate travel, and I I applaud that. I think you have to eliminate uh, travel there. Now, if you want to say that you don't need the divisions for that, you could just you know schedule it based on geography and miles. Okay, but unfortunately, this league. It's too big. It's too wide. So you're either going to have to go to Temple or you're going to have to go to Tulane or you're going to have to go somewhere. You can't just stay within the region. And who knows? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the, the te- when you look at this, the team that really gets screwed is Temple. Well, yeah. Because they're they're the only team in the Northeast. Right. I mean, the, ne- the next closest team to them, I don't know if it's Cincinnati or ECU, but it's it's at least a 500-mile drive. So I, I don't know, man. It's I, I I think yeah, I think you're right. I I think that the that they kind of all got backed into a corner. There's nothing about this that doesn't stink. It's just the hand that you're dealt. You know, so um you know, with that and with that many teams and it's a head count sport, don't forget. And with that many teams that field volleyball uh, that field volleyball rosters, you know, you don't have as many in soccer in on the men's or the women's side. So, so that, you know, fewer mouths to feed means it's a little bit easier to figure out, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough path for anyone in the American football. But quick note, <laughs> excuse me, uh, cross country. Uh, they can schedule as many meets as they want. As long as they're after September the 1st, the championships will be held on Halloween in Augusta, Kansas. Um, Wait, what? Yeah. Men's and women's cross-country championships in the American will take place Halloween, Saturday, October 31st, at Four Mile Creek Resort in Augusta, Kansas, which, I meet, which I'm which i guessing means Wichita State it's is. It's got to be. Hosted. Yeah, got it. So, 
Holy mackerel. Um, everything else, Murph, uh, baseball, softball, Eric Lopez, rowing, golf, and tennis will be announced at a later date. Any fall competition uh, for the spring sports will be announced at a later date. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I'm not holding. I wouldn't much hold my there. breath. Yeah, um, modifications to the winter sports, which for the American is basketball, or for UCF would mean basketball and indoor track and field, will also be announced at a later date. Um, and once the protocols, once the medical advisory group comes up with the protocols, we'll know what they are. So, uh, so yeah, there's your look at the uh, Olympic sports um, in terms of what what's what's going on. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird, man. It's gonna be a wild ride. There's no doubt about it. So we should also be clear about what, in regards to the championships. Like you said, week again. I know we've been I know we've been bamboozled before. But we could have a decision next week uh, from the D1 Council. Now, this is uh, this or not. This dis- <laughs> That's what or, we thought the last two weeks. <laughs> or, or not. Or not. However, there there is an end date to all of this. So what was supposed to be decided by the Board of Governors back in uh, July and then got pushed to the uh, Board of Directors in August and now it's on to the D1 Council. The D1 Council meets next week, uh, an indeterminate date as far as I know. But sometime next week, they're going to meet uh, and could decide on the fate of fall championships uh, that that day when they meet next week. Uh, and whatever they recommend will be acted on by the board of governors or the, excuse me, the board of directors. However, even if they don't decide anything, there there is a there is a set deadline for all of this. It is August 21st. That is the deadline for determining whether to move forward with fall championships. So. At the very latest, we will know by August 21st whether or not any of these fall championships are going to be existing. And if they're not, then that obviously would have then we then we're having a whole, whole different discussion. Murph, where do you, where but, do you side on that? Where if there's no postseason, should they even play this the fall? Well, this is hard to like. Okay, for a non for a for a non revenue sport right. in which in which you've got the all these NCAA minimums that have been changed this year. Remember, you had. Uh, the NCAA has these minimums of games you have to play in a certain sport per season. Well, because of the pandemic, those things have been slashed basically in half to where now, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, you've got soccer teams, I believe, that are playing six matches. I mean, I, 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 is is that worth it? Right. No, I think that's a I fair mean, question. Well, I, I think, well, th- but the, but the, here's the slippery slope that I think you go down here, Eric and Murph is is if you say. Well, if there's no NCAA championship, then it's not worth it. Then what you're also saying is just let the Power Five play these sports and nobody else does because, you know, it's as we know, it's not very frequently that you would have a non-Power Five, you know, non-Power Five schools compete in that respect. Um, I mean, it's that's just the sad truth of it, right? So I, I disagree with that. I actually, I, I, I just don't. I don't think that has a factor in that. I think everybody wants to play the very best, and actually. Soccer in particular is the most wide open. You can make that argument in volleyball. Volleyball has got an issue with that, where the Big Ten and Big 12 dominate volleyball and all that. The Pac-12. Don't forget the Pac-12. Right. But soccer is actually the most wide open. Uh, I mean, heck, UCF. That's that's fair. UCF was one goal away from the Elite Eight in men's soccer. Elite Eight. I mean, the SMU was a goal away from the Final Four. So, in men's soccer. Akron's won national championships in men's soccer. Like, I, I don't agree with that. I think there some of these pro there's bigger goals there than just playing through five ten matches just for fun. Now, you know the question, and that's why I really I think this decision has to be made quick 
because the follow-up would be, do we get the extra year redshirt if I decide not to play a specific kid? Because I could see coaches treat this, if there's no NCAA tournament, who's to say you don't treat this like you would a normal spring where you just practice and then redshirt the kid? I mean, there's. I think that's why this. it's absolutely absurd that the NCAA punted on this again and 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 delay this now to make this a last-minute decision. It's a, it's a joke. Well, I, you actually brought up a, a good point that I think we neglected. Mur- and Murph, I, what was your point you were going to make? No, go ahead. Finish your point. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm going to search well, for you're what talking it was. About, like, having, like making sure the P5 play their championships. With, with, these, with these non-revenue sports, we're talking about all of D1. Like they're, they're, this is only – this is including all of D1. So I don't know how the P5 would be different than the G5 here. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. Um <laughs> there was a uh, – the thing that I was going to mention, Murph, and I think – help me out on this because there were some uh, – there was some news about uh, the ability for players to retain their scholarships. Is that right? Right, and this has been passed by the – this has been basically acknowledged by the NCAA, but the, a- the AAC also put out its own release uh, on Thursday uh, basically saying that if a player uh, in any fall sport – does not feel comfortable or safe uh, playing in their sport this semester in the fall in the fall season, uh, and would like and would would like to opt out, would decide not to play because of the pandemic, uh, or really for any reason. Really, I mean, you can just say it's, it, it, you don't have to. There's no doctor's note needed. You can just say I don't feel safe, and you can opt out. Uh, if you don't want to play, you can go, and your scholarship will be upheld through the uh, basically the, the, the 2020 2021 academic year basically going over into the spring semester um, and you retain so, eligibility too right right you remain in good standing with the program that you're in and you retain eligibility so uh, again that, that that is a good that's a that's a good cover for uh, you know these the, for, for again for unpaid laborers. <laughs> Who <laughs> we can talk about it yeah, so how much, nice of them, right? <laughs> this is we cannot forget this. The that schools and people are making money off the back of, of others who are unpaid. And if you think that a scholarship is money, you're wrong. <laughs> you now, are Mur- wrong. now, Murph, can you clarify? So, by if they, if they opt out, they yeah. would still get the extra year back, right? They would get it back for the following year. As far as I know, I, and see now it's like, oh my god, why did why how do I know this off the top of my head? And now this is bad <laughs> podcasting. I would assume no, that's that, that's the great case. podcasting. We're trying to figure this out. It's journalism one hundred and one. I would assume that's the case because I think those you could see some players opt out if in the in the Olympic sports if there is no NCAA tournament. I mean, can you imagine if Major League Baseball decided tomorrow, hey guys, keep playing the rest of the season, but there's no World Series? What? You're going to put right. me at you know health risk, and then we're not going to even have a postseason. Get out of here! I'm going to opt out. Um, so I think you could see a, a, a that, and I think that's why. And it's it's worth noting D two and D three they didn't waste any time. They canceled all four championships, and it will not be made up in the spring. So those sports are done. Um, and we'll I I don't know if D one will do that because if D one canceled the the Olympic sports, that puts a ton of pressure on the FBS. Uh, to still try to have a season, they're like, really? Well, well, what was it? I think they said. Uh, I, I think they said at the FCS level, a bunch of schools have already right. wiped their schedules. And if the and the Big Sky was thinking about it, and I, and Brett McMurphy's reported they sent, are opting out. Yeah, yeah. You you sent me that. Uh, yeah. You sent me that tweet earlier that from Ralph Russo of the uh, of the Associated Press. 
that if the Big Sky Conference opts out, that's it. FCS FCS is under fifty percent or of programs that are playing, and then they'll cancel the fall championship in FCS football. Yeah. So yeah. no, I agree. And it, and the interesting thing is the trend has been. It doesn't look like they they would be willing to move the fall championships to the spring. It sounds like either they're going to try to play the fall championships, uh, or it's going to get canceled and they're that's it. It's done. So okay. we'll see. All right, uh, let's take a uh, quick I, breather. Oh, go I, ahead. Can I double back on what I was trying to look up. So the the yes. AAC season, the AAC's announcement makes no mention of eligibility, and the NCAA announcement that came out on the fifth it says each division must determine no later than August 14th the eligibility accommodations that must be made for student-athletes who opt out of participating this fall or for those whose seasons are canceled or cut short due to COVID-19. College athletes and their families must know what their eligibility status will be before beginning the fall season. So we don't know right now whether or not... Of course not. Of course we don't Of course we don't know. We don't know. As I was yelling at Eric in the last segment, we don't know anything. Uh, <laughs> so again, we don't know what the football season is going to look like. We don't know if fall championships in, in Division One are going to be held. We don't know if we're, players opt we're out. All, if they're we're all Sergeant Schultz out here. Yeah, like we yeah, we know nothing of what's going. On. But there there is a there is a chance. Certainly with eligibility, we will know that by August fourteenth. By fall, with fall championships, we will know that by uh, by no later than August twenty first, possibly as soon as next week. And with football. You know, you just kind of play by ear. We go day by day. All right. Well, we're going hour by hour, and we're figuring this thing out. Uh, Stick around. We get back. Some comings and goings here and there. Some good news. Some good news. Some sad news and some good news uh, for uh, in the realm of UCF when we return. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. UCF underscore Banneret is where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, Black and Gold You can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy. All right, comings and goings here. But a busy show. Wow. Um, first of all, don't know if it's a coming or a going just yet, but did y'all see the video of Mackenzie Milton? He went finally had his doctor appointment up in uh, up in what is it? Uh, where where do you go? Minnesota, Minneapolis. Yeah. And Teresa Milton, his mom, released some Instagram uh, video of the workout that he was doing, and I just gotta say, like it's. It's truly remarkable. Is he is he obviously doing full contact drills? No, but to see him doing the sort of shuffle or, or the shuttle drill that he was doing, and you know, on that leg, when you think back to, you know, just was it less than two years ago? Yeah, it's it's nothing short of inspiring. And, and you know, I, we have no idea whether or not. You know, he'll be cleared or not cleared. There was no word given on that. But frankly, I don't care. It's just to see him in good shape or what looks like good shape with that leg is just remarkable. So we're not going to speculate on whether or not he's going to get cleared. I don't think that's even fair. Um, I'm just happy to see him moving well on two feet. I, you I wrote the same thing. Uh, I think if we start, if, you know, 
the problem is, right, once he if he is cleared, the minute he's cleared, all of a sudden people are going to be talking about quarterback competitions and where does he fit in. And that's too bad because it, it shouldn't right. be about that, right? Right. That that cheapens what has been achieved here. And again, there are still there are still obstacles that McKenzie obviously wants to overcome. He wants to play a game. Like Jeff said, we don't have firm confirmation that he's been cleared. Uh, Danny White, you know, basically sidestepped sidestep that question on Wednesday. Um, uh, you know, his, his, you know, that will all be as, as though out. Danny White would know anyway. Like, I right. mean, but, well, he's 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 the AD of the pre, the AD of the program. He would know he would know something, but certainly that'll be figured out as he continues on and and figure out with the with the doctors and uh, trainers and and coaches. But you know, it is it's clear that McKenzie Milton, his rehab, even even twenty months on now, uh, he has really made just amazing strides. Uh, I think level you know, and and has really rehabilitated himself to levels that I'm not sure people thought he would ever achieve again. And you saw that in that video, like I said, uh, Jeff, of of him jumping on that leg, putting all his weight on that leg, and jumping down a straight line and backpedaling and shuffling. Uh, running full speed off that leg, it's it's really amazing to watch. Uh, and so, no, we don't know yet whether he'll play fo- whether he'll be playing football again. Uh, and and I, again, I know he wants that, and that's fantastic. But this is good. This is certainly for now. This is this is, this should be good enough. Uh, and maybe it is good enough forever because he looks like he can live a normal life. And yeah. for again. And for a man who who undoubtedly, indisputably, came within a very short span of time from being from being an amputee uh, to being from there to now, uh, it is truly remarkable. It's inspiring. Uh, he is uh, like Danny White said. He is an ambassador of the university, and not only because of what he did uh, a- as an athlete, but what he has done just as a person working to overcome adversity. Uh, it's been it's been amazing, and so we continue to wish him nothing but the best, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm sure when we talk to Josh Heupel, maybe next week, uh, we'll say, you know, we'll ask him about it. You know, what does he think about McKenzie? Where does he stand? You know, what is he? What, you know, is there a possibility that he plays this season? Uh, and those questions will be asked. Uh, but again, it it, it cannot for it cannot overshadow what that man is accomplishing right now, which is uh. Really, it's it's just it's it's hard to put into words. Truly inspiring. I mean, you, you know, you know how you know how inspiring this was, and and I am not trolling here. I I really, um, I really do mean. It. I wanted to pull this up because it was an excellent uh, tweet in general. Um, oh, you guys know Robert Stieg? I've heard of the name. So so he's big USF fan. Um on Twitter. Um, he doesn't write anything for, um, or, or no, he does, he does write for uh, daily stampede is his bio says he's the meme master general for daily stampede. But, uh, you know, he actually sent out a tweet and I want to read this correctly. We, we, we know exactly where Stieg is coming from on basically everything. Okay. But, uh, his word on this. Okay, here it was. Mackenzie Milton's pro. This is Robert Stieg tweeting on August the fifth. Mackenzie Milton's progress from being on the brink of losing his leg to being able to do light agility drills is absolutely inspiring. And 
that shows you how much this transcends uh, everything that we've everything having to do with competition. So you know, I think we all can. We, I think we all can say, you know, certainly, um, no matter what happens, no matter what the end result is, you know, to, to see that it's gotten to this point is miraculous, and we're really happy for McKenzie. And however far he wants to progress is fine with us. Um, I'll mention this one last thing. This is a, a statement that was given uh, to Adam Shadoff of Fox 35. It was given to him from McKenzie's dad. Uh, the statement reads, all of KZ's medical and physical tests went very well at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. By the way, it's, it's in Rochester. I said Minneapolis as I correct myself for like the fifth time. Uh, but, it, but anyway, quote, his progress in his rehab at, and, and at practice moving forward in all aspects of being a quality QB will determine when he is ready to play again at a high level. He looks forward to working hard in the next steps of his journey to play football again. Again, we are not at the end of the road. Uh, I think McKenzie knows that he has not achieved his, his ultimate goal, which is to play football again. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, I, I just I, I don't I don't know how you can come away from what we've learned this week, uh, even though some of us, I mean, certainly even me included, because going into this meeting with the doctor, we were all anticipating it because McKenzie said outright back in May that that the doctor you know might clear him for. Uh, and so we were like, oh, my God, could could they actually clear him for football activities? Uh, and, and, and so even though we don't have that, uh, that doesn't make this any less successful or uh, remarkable. Um, and so, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how McKenzie continues to rehab during the fall, but um, where he is right now, it's, it's just amazing. Last word on this. If you haven't seen the video, go see it. Murph's got a story up on the site. Um, it's, it's really something. All right. Um, uh, going to discuss um, Eric Kohler, the longtime public address announcer for multiple UCF sports, but most recently and most prominently, obviously, football and um, and men's basketball. And as he is stepping away from that position this week to spend um, more time with his family, he didn't give any more details other than that. Um, it just suffice it to say, like, it's there, you know, and I said this earlier, there's obviously, you know, <laughs> Whatever's going on, whatever's, I'm, I'm hoping everything is okay for Eric and his family. But UCF is just not going to be the same without the mayor. It's just not. And, uh, you know, he's been a friend of mine and Eric's for, um, and yours, Murph, for a, a very long time. And just kindest guy in the world will give you the shirt off of his back. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to be like at, at football and men's basketball this year. We remember, I remember him doing volleyball back in the day. Um, he was at everything. And, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, on behalf of us, you know, reach out to Eric and say, hey, we're hoping, thank you so much for everything that you've done. Um, it's it's not going to be the same uh, without you. We hope everything goes well for you and the fam. And uh, And once again, you know, shout out to the mayor. Um, for uh, for more than 20 years of uh, service to UCF uh, as the in-stadium voice. Uh, I did a story on him uh, when I was doing uh, UC- when I was on UCF Sports Night in-house, and uh, just a great interview. It actually turned out to be pro- probably my favorite story that I did in the two years that I was there, or certainly one of them. And uh, I-, I posted it on Twitter. I'll make sure I post it on the site too. It's it's really fantastic and. Uh, uh, we, hope, we hope you're doing well, Eric, and uh, thanks again for everything, and stay in touch. Um, 
Words on Eric, gentlemen. It's, it's just not going to be the same at football without him. No, I, I, I like I said, he is the mayor. He knew, he knew everyone. He wanted to shake everyone's hand and, and say hello and, and greet you with a smile. Uh, obviously, the energy he brought uh, was, was just was, was synonymous with UCF football and basketball. Um, but I will remember him just being uh, happy to be there, uh, happy to be in, 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 you know, the baseball stadium or wherever. Uh, and, and just happy to see you. And he always greeted you with a smile and, and a joke or a story. And it was, and that was a lot of fun. So he is definitely the mayor, always will be the mayor. And we'll, we will certainly miss uh, his energy and, uh, and good nature. Exactly. So uh, last thing we wanted to end with was, uh, uh, was at least some happy news in terms of a coming to UCF. Uh, you broke the news uh, earlier today. In fact, Brian Murphy it's amazing that a story this big actually gets buried because of everything else that's been going on. But Devad Wilson, former four-star recruit, uh, a defensive back at the University of Georgia, has announced that he is transferring to UCF. Um, graduate uh, of Miami Northwestern, um, mm-hmm. highly sought-after recruit in the SEC. Uh, as you had mentioned uh, in your story, Murph, um, man, this is a big get for Randy Shannon. We don't know if he's – do we know if he's going to be eligible? We don't know yet. He will – he plans to apply for a waiver. Um, this is, That's actually according to uh, Jason Beattie at 24-7 Sports. And so if, so if he's eligible for this year, that'd be great. But this is more this – is, this is not just about this year for, for Devon, who's a, who's a registered sophomore – and for uh, for a cornerback group at UCF, which has a lot of seniors, you've got Brandon Moore, Tay Gowan, Aaron Robinson. They needed someone who is not only young, as a retro sophomore, Devad is that, but he comes with talent and experience. And, you know, he's got 13 games of SEC experience under his belt. He picked off a pass against Notre Dame of all teams last September. He's got a couple of starts. Uh, obviously, he was, you know, he was recruited by teams like Alabama and, and Florida, Michigan, Ohio State, on and on and on. Um, initially committed, and this is kind of where the connection lies, right? Initially committed verbally to Florida in uh, February of 2017. He was a he was a member of the class of 2018, so he verbally committed to Florida uh, in 2017. And and Randy Shannon was his recruiter for Florida. Mm-hmm. Then. Then he de- then he decommits from Florida late in November and flips to Georgia right before the early signing period in December of 2017. Of course, that was right after Randy Shannon took the gig to be UCF's defensive coordinator. And now they're reunited again. I'm sure that I'm sure that relationship had oh nothing to do with why <laughs> Devon decided to play at UCF. But um, but all that sort of kidding aside, he is also coming home because as he said in his message. Uh, to really bulldog fans when he decided to enter the transfer portal last month. He wanted to be closer to home in this time, uh, not specific on uh, if there, you know, you know, the reasons why, but in this, in this point in life, you don't need a specific reason to be closer to home. Uh, you know, anybody who wants to be closer to home right now should take any opportunity they can be to be closer to their loved ones. And that's what Devad's doing here. And he's chosen UCF to play. Uh, the last, hopefully, the last uh, three years of his college eligibility. Quick question: If he is eligible this year, Murph, do you see him starting? 
I think that depends on the health of Brandon Moore. I, I know in my story, I didn't really talk about Brandon Moore, and we really haven't gotten much of an update on him in a few months. He's been very positive on on social media about his uh, about his re- rehab and recovery. Kind, you remember, kind of, kind of under the radar with everyone paying attention to Mackenzie Milton. I feel bad for Bam. <laughs> he's right, just kind of right. he's kind of chugging along, and no one notices. <laughs> everybody remember that you know Bam uh, had the torn ACL. Um, and dislocated kneecap, I believe, uh, in last August. The FAMU game, the season opener. On a, on a play that was blown dead. It wasn't even an interception. The ball hit the ground. It shouldn't have counted. It was just, it was freak. It was a freak injury beyond freak. And so, uh, and so we don't know if he's exactly going to be ready for week one. But, and so, yeah, that, that obviously would, would impact if Wilson's available, if Wilson's eligible, that would impact his playing time. But, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine? a way in which they would have Brandon Moore healthy, Tay Gowan, uh, Aaron Robinson, who is, who is really the best cornerback of the group last season, and then Devon Wilson uh, circling in there with also Dylan Lester or Zamari Maxwell. This team is absolutely jam-packed at cornerback. It's probably, just on paper, the best group I think this team has maybe ever had, and I know that sounds out, outrageous because of the, the, the DBs that the UCF has produced, but my goodness, all this talent at one time. Um, but again, absolutely, if, assuming everything goes well, this team is absolutely stacked on defense. And, and again, we're, we're, and that's not even, I don't want to brush over like Antoine Collier and Richie Grant at safety. Like this defensive backfield is just ridiculous. Um, but again, Let's say, but let's say Wilson's not eligible. That's fine. He would still have, you know, he would still have, you know, multiple years left. And then he would help build the foundation for the next generation of UCF's defensive backfield, which they're going to need. Because like I said, uh, more Robinson, Gowan, all seniors. Yeah. What was the number that uh, Bill Connolly put up? Because he, uh, he mentioned this actually in his thread. He's, he's, uh, he's, he. Uh, posted his UCF numbers um, <clears throat> coming into uh, this year uh, about their uh, defense scheduled to return. Uh, he said that the uh, UCF's S and P plus ranking, that's his rating system keeps going up because the defense was the best since 2014 and their schedule last year. He said UCF's defense was the best since 2014 and they're scheduled to return 18 of 21 players with 150 plus snaps under their belt. Yeah, that's oh, wow. I, I don't. I mean, I, there's a question mark. I mean, this is a bigger discussion. We'll have a later date when we talk about sides of the ball and, and different positions. But certainly, this team needs to replace Nate Evans and his sort of leadership ability. I think Richie Grant has that in some points, but otherwise, just in terms of experience and talent. This this defense has a ton of it. I mean, uh, Trayvon Morris, Brash, Randy Charlton, Kenny Tunier, uh, Eric Gilliard, uh, Eric Mitchell, and then the secondary. Like, there's a ton of guys. They they're gonna they're gonna roll seven or eight defensive linemen out there. Um, this defense this defense could be uh, the best one. That, I mean, it, it should. I mean, early on, it should be the best one that UCF's had during this small you know three four year window of of excellence. And if you couple that with a Josh Heupel offense that's that's rolling and, and has you know healthy weapons, uh, I mean, Sounds I don't want to like get an undefeated season. Oh, to me. oh boy, I don't know how many games no. we're getting in, but we're not going to lose a game. 
In the, in, we're gonna end the year five and zero. Hey, but we'll Stop be ranked. It. We'll be ranked. See, we'll be ranked. We'll be, we'll be, hey, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then we'll be the we'll be the national champion because we'll be ranked number one in the eight people. Or you know maybe Hollywood <laughs> Matrix will rank. That'll be two in four years. I don't think I've ever been. I don't think I've ever yelled. I don't think I've been that apoplectic <laughs> on this podcast in a long time. You <laughs> hear Eric Lopez argue in favor of the non-CFP poll, it broke me. It, I, I apologize. It's a weird when, year, man. It's what happens. I've been spending time in the NBA bubble getting like a thousand post games. I mean, it does things to your mind. What can I tell you? Everything got, everything got broken in half this year. All right, let's finish up real quick. Uh, Elo, what do you got coming up? We're, we're very oh, close man. to revealing our top 20 coaches, right? Yes, yes. We have got all the ballots in from our staff. It was a heated debate, uh, no doubt, but we have got every vote in. And so that we will be unveiling that very soon. It'll be controversial. Some of you won't be happy about it. Uh, but as, just re- again, as a staff, that's what we came up with. So uh, we'll check that out. Also, cheap plug on my softball podcast in the Circle SB. I have a one-on-one interview with former Knight Mackenzie Audis, who is starting her own business, pitching with purpose, kind of teaching, doing pitching lessons. So for the softball fans, go to that. Uh, as I talked to Mac about her decision to go in in that industry. Uh, giving lessons there and trying to help out the future pitchers uh, in the game of softball. And uh, outside of that, boys, I've been working. I've been, I got a job. I've been in the getting NBA post games in the you've been, bubble. You've been kill, you've been killing the killing your work covering the bubble for someone who's not actually in the bubble. That's correct. Uh, that's what they wanted me to do, and that's the sacrifices I'll do. That's why you didn't hear me much in this segment because I was literally editing audio as we recorded this. That's that's going to be my life until October. But I'm grateful that I have a sport in the NBA that does not have any positive tests and no interruptions or a thousand double headers scheduled in the back end of a schedule. Some like other sports, Murph, right, Murph? (laughs) Absolutely. Eric, you gave me a great idea in future segments. When you and Jeff talk about the the Olympic sports that I'm not as knowledgeable on, (laughs) I'm going to just, I'm going to just say that I'm, I'm editing audio (laughs) and, and, and you, and I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide whether or not that's true. Or maybe we could do this while we do the Olympic segments. I'll send you the audio that I need you to cut up. Maybe you can like help me out. Maybe we can work together on this. I would definitely do work for you on the side. No pro bono, <laughs> all pro bono. Uh, yeah, I'll let give, me know. I'll give you. This I'll give you access. Not, this is not on my dime. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you access, Murph, to the Laker locker room. Huh? I can't wait. Uh, this is definitely what I'm living for now. <laughs> Uh, Murph, what do you got coming up this week? We're just we're just kind of following what's going on with football on a day to day basis right now, right? I mean, all of a sudden, it feels like all of a sudden we've been thrown into preseason mode, right? Well, we're there. I mean, we should be there for for teams. Uh, I mean, certainly if you're playing if you're playing in early September and that week that September fifth weekend, your camp starts on the seventh. Yeah. Uh, so, you're, so you're there. Uh, we are in preseason mode because it's preseason. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Friday. There could be some more things coming out. Hey, you never know. Maybe, maybe there'll be a decision on the on the fall sports championships. Probably not, but you no. know, who knows? Maybe. Well, that, well, that uh, would be something for the uh, National Cowards Athletic Association. There, I, I assume. I love it. I assume that we'll, we will uh, be in touch with Josh Heupel here. But I was like next at next week sometime. Uh, so we'll have uh, some some feedback off of that. Uh, and and you know at this point, 
who knows what else? There could be a lot. Well, the, the big right. The big question is going to be when do we find out about this twelfth game, right? I mean, if if it's going to be September fifth, it has to be soon, right? Right, and so and again, I'm not let, exactly let sure. Let it just be a surprise opponent. We find out when. Oh, the, we're gonna we go the Monday Night Raw. We go their WWE routine where they just show up on September fifth. Oh and my just have God, is that Navy's mute? No, it can't be Navy. Oh but my, oh my God, that's Bethune Cookman's music. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is that new mexico states music oh no they get, it's too far away jeffrey uh, too far away and by the way going all the way back to something that eric said in the first segment it will not be it will not be stetson uh stetson's, <laughs> actually, stetson's actually playing football it's conference only this year guys in the pioneer. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know, man. You were just telling us earlier how you know Fam U is like, you know what? We're not in your conference this year. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> the difference is they don't have they don't have anywhere to play. They they are a free agent. Wow, free agent. They're, 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 huh? they're are they a free agent or for a player to be named later? <laughs> oh, now we're getting into semantics, and it's way too late for this. Yeah, sure. Howie, since we did the wrestling reference, shout out to Cal Bloom, who was back in the stands there on Raw. I know nobody's watching Raw these days because it's you know nobody cares right now, but uh, you know we care because of Cal Bloom. Damn right, it's good to see him back there uh, cheering on the wrestlers, acting as a fan. So I'm glad he's doing okay. UCF former UCF football tight end. Shout out to Dylan Moore. Another Just home run against. Come on, Murph. Give it to us. Give it to us. Dylan Moore. I. Okay, so the listeners don't know that after our last podcast last week, we basically stayed up. We basically stayed on Skype talking and watching uh, the Angels Mariners game last week, in which Dylan Moore hit a home run. And I freaked out so much for reasons that are still unbeknownst to me. I don't know why I was so excited to see Dylan Moore hit a home run uh, in live television, but I, I bruised my hand. That I, I, I don't know what happened, but I, I, I got so excited. Anyway, Dylan Moore is crushing it right now. He is now batting second. He's batting second in the Mariners lineup. This, that, that, like that, hey, Murph, that's American League MVP candidate Dylan Moore. <laughs> it's him so, and Aaron Judge, right? Him and Aaron Judge? It's got to oh. be him. It's got to be him and the Judge, man. So outperform Mike Trout. I mean, we now know Dylan Moore, the AL West is Dylan Moore's division. I wonder if if, if Mike Trout has let's see. So let's go, Mike Trout. Uh I bet you I bet you Dylan Moore has more has a better has a better OPS plus. He no, it's very close. Dylan Moore has a two Dylan hey, Moore has listen, in a 60 game season, a <laughs> a streak like the one Dylan Moore's having like that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm partially joking, but not entirely joking. Like that's going to make an impact. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's amazing that you know he is worked like we talked, you know, before the season started about. Well, he's going to be, he's a utility player. He literally was listed on the Mariners roster as a utility player uh, who's going to be playing part time, left side of the diamond, and, and then now he is playing every day, uh, in, in infield or outfield. And playing, and now he's batting second. And the reason why he's batting second is because his slash line, batting average on base percentage and slugging percentage, 367, 367, 700 over, over, okay, it's over 30 at bats. Oh, it's small sample size. Screw you. Everything is small sample size in baseball. 30 30 at bats. Yeah, we're only playing 60 games. (laughs) You can't, you, there are no qualifiers to any of this. Dylan Moore is crushing it right now. That's basically a month. 
in a normal. Right. He's basically won a starting job, Murph. I mean, you know, we talk about what you know, sixty-game schedule, small sample size, but that could change a guy's career if they have a great year or if they don't have a great year. And in Dylan's case, he's having a great year. He's earned a starting job. He's earned it. Absolutely, Eric. Like I said, he has he has made himself a starting player, and this is a guy who was hanging on the fringes of Major League Baseball, which, as I as I very much popular as I very much infamously said before the season started, on a bad team. He was on a bad team and hanging on the fringes, and now he has worked himself into an everyday role in a prominent spot in the lineup and 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 really producing well. I, I'm trying to uh, see where he ranks in terms of Fangraphs war a man, among Mariners team that could be in the mix war. for a 16 team playoff. They could make the playoffs, right? I mean, you don't have to be great to make the playoffs in that now and this year. They don't have to be great. That is that is very much for certain. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I don't want to get I don't want to get into this. All right, um, as you as you guys all know, stick around or make sure you follow us as always at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret and Black and Gold Banneret.com. You can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. Thanks as always to our entire staff. Uh, we got some good stuff coming from uh, uh, from, uh, Danny Medina, who's going to be, uh, who's just joined us recently, our most recent addition to the roster. Uh, she's got a couple stories coming out as well as, um, and also huge thanks by the way, to Jeremy Brenner, who's been doing a great job in our new newsletter, uh, in, in our new newsletter, uh, uh, series that he's got every day. He pops out the, uh, the best links to stories from around the Orlando sports world to follow if you're a uh, Orlando if you're a UCF fan. By the way, we'll wrap this up. We'll wrap it up with this: Orlando City, Vamos City. They're moving to they're moving on to the MLS's back tournament final against Portland. They beat uh, 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 Minnesota uh, today, and their old coach Adrian Heath three to one. So Orlando City playing for a title, an MLS title in a few days so congrats to city we'll be watching that of course as they're in the bubble down at disney for eric and brian i'm jeff thank you so much for listening this has been the black and gold banner at podcast